Omniverse. Hey, this is Kat. And Jess. You know, Mother She Wrote is free to listen to, but it's not free to make. So please, consider supporting our work on Patreon. You'll get early ad-free episodes of this show and all the storytelling podcasts we create. Head to patreon.com forward slash Omniverse Media to chip in and join our community of world-saving wonderkind. Oh, and heads up, this episode contains mention of drug use. Please use your best judgment when listening and take care of yourself. Love you! Dear Mom, I know I've written you some unbelievable things, but mm, just when I think I understand what I'm doing, just when I think I understand reality, it's like I walked off the top of a staircase without realizing it and, and, and fell and fell all the way into another world. Mom, look, before you read the rest of this, I promise I'm not on drugs. After the aliens left the zoo, all the animals went back to normal. The cops, who'd been keeping their distance, came back to check things out. One of them mentioned that there was something weird in a cave east of the zoo, out in a canyon. So I figured that was the best place to start looking for whatever came next. Things were peaceful again, and as I was leaving, I heard a voice like a choir boy's echoing out across the zoo. I guess our famous singing monkey was so happy that he burst into song. I started humming it as I went. It fit really well with the tune that songbird Laura sang to her baby. Do all animals know this song? Anyway, I was still humming it when I got to the cave. I climbed in and, and down this winding passage, there was this pink glow and I saw A swirling shape growing out of the ground like a stalagmite, but smooth and twisted like soft-serve ice cream. As I got close to it, I heard a voice. Hello? No one was there. But then I reached out with my mind. Was it a riddle? I remembered something I'd read in Great Grandpa's diary, a password. So I read aloud from the book, Where is God's Tale? The Forgotten One of the Ship That Sailed the Cosmos. The light was as bright as day, and when I opened my eyes again, I was surrounded by sky. The world above me was like looking at a bubble from the inside. I I was so dizzy, I I stumbled backward on a soft clouds that I was walking on. The air smelled like that smell when it's about to rain. And then... Are you lost? You're... You're a... a, Oh, I'm a swimming cat. What? What? You're strange, but I like you. I was in the middle of a town made of shiny houses that looked like big seashells and there were people with pointy hats like witches. They asked really weird questions that didn't have answers and seemed as confused by me as I was by them. They'd never heard of Podunk or Earth. They called this place Magicant. 
In the distance was a massive castle with spires swirling up into the sky where their ruler, Queen Mary, lives. I didn't know where to go or what to do. I was certain I was dreaming or hallucinating, but when I tripped on the slime left by giant snails with peppermint shells and got beaten up by a gang of smiling walking trees, it sure as heck felt real. I'm okay though. The people in Magicant are really nice. They patched me up free of charge. And I met this person called the Mysterious Mimicker who does a spot-on impression of Dad. It's really weird. Then there's this dude who's out in the forest shredding on a guitar and he's so in the zone he doesn't even realize he's doing it. One person gave me a sick ocarina and this other person gave me this big bag of magic herbs. They taste kind of funky, but gosh, they pick me up when I get winded. You see, there's this red weed in the fields that they harvest and then they wash it in this magic fountain and, uh, you know what? Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. It's really fun and cool, but the big problem is no one in Magicant understands what I mean when I ask about finding a way home. But I bet this queen of theirs does. That's my next step. Queen Mary's castle. Meeting the town mayor is one thing, but a queen of a magical land? I'm a little nervous. The good news is everyone around town loves her. And they say she has a beautiful singing voice. So she's probably nice. But I think uh, at this point, I, I shouldn't have any expectations about anything that's going to happen literally ever. I, I wish you could see this place, Mom. It's like living in a dream. The things out in the wilds, when I see them, it feels like nightmares creeping into something beautiful but I can handle them. And mostly, this place is just beautiful. Confusing, a little scary, but beautiful. Hopefully I don't run out of postcards before I get out of here. Say hi to Mimi and Minnie for me. Love, Nintendo. Welcome to Mother, She Wrote, a travelogue diary through the strangest, most thought-provoking, most heart-rending video games ever made, Mother, as it's called in Japan, and Earthbound, as it's called everywhere else. This is the story of the first game in that series, Earthbound Beginnings. I'm Kat Plackard, the cat who swims in your podcasts, and with me is my dreamy co-host, Jessica Mudd. I'm Earthbound and down, with nothing but a song in my heart and a magic can-do attitude. So, first there were poltergeists, and then there were zombies, and then there were aliens, and now, now we're We travel the... to a magical realm. Yeah, we're in the dreamlands. Uh, is that what this is? It's a dreamland? I thought I we, mean, like, went to another planet or something. Uh, maybe. I mean, great. Elaborate. Okay, so, as the letter to mom stated, you go to the cave, the, the mysterious cave with this strange pink thing in it and it's what i can only describe as like a squat but like large unicorn horn it's almost kind of like a little pink spire that has like little swirls going around it kind of like a a children's slide at the amusement park or something do you, do you know yeah. what i'm talking about okay specifically no <laughs> when it comes to like a slide that looks like this thing i'm like what magical playground did you the, go the to? helter skelter 
in Britain, the ride, the, oh, the, the little slide. The, you are right. Uh, go Google one of those things. It's like a, a pink helter-skelter. And you go up and it starts talking to you, like uh, talking in your mind. And when I was playing through the session, I had a couple of things that I had to take care of before I could progress on to the rest of the game. I had to go back and return uh, singing Laura's Chick to her, and I had to pick up the Franklin badge that I missed the first time. But that didn't take very long. And then after that, what did take a very long time is for me to figure out how I was supposed to get to the next area of the game. I went to the mysterious cave, and I saw this weird little pink helter-skelter, and I knew that it was the key to getting to wherever I was trying to, to get to, but I had no idea what to do. And, of course, the answer lied in Great Grandfather's Diary, which I had put into storage a long time ago, because this game gives you no inventory space at all. And I'm going to have to just, like, control myself a little bit, because... No, 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 this is great. <laughs> This is probably the biggest rant that I have about this series as a whole is the inventory space. You get, I think, eight inventory slots. Yeah, and then it's, it's not good. And, and give, you get eight inventory slots and a bunch of items, including some that intentionally do nothing. Yes. Yeah. They'll just throw items that don't do anything for you into your inventory to take up space and you have no idea if this is something that is going to be critically important down the line or if you're just going to be you know, sabotaging yourself if you get rid of it. So you have no idea what to hold on to and I'm constantly trying to manage my inventory. And so I put Great Grandfather's Diary into storage and thought, oh, if I ever need this for anything, it surely it won't be some you know, obtuse uh, clue that like leads me towards that and I'll know to come back and get it and I'll be able to solve the puzzle. Oh no, it's not like that at all. And this is one of the many reasons that, uh, you know, Earthbound Beginnings, though it is very charming and very interesting, is technically flawed and Earthbound is a massive improvement over all these things because giving you items that don't particularly do anything is whimsical and interesting. If the rest of the game isn't punishing you with not enough item slots and too many enemy encounters, so it doesn't really work here. It does later on. I have a question. Were you in the habit of using or checking items when you didn't know what they were when you first got Great Grandfather's Diary? Like, did, had you ever seen the text inside Great Grandfather's Diary when you used it? Yes, I've gotten into a habit of regularly checking new items whenever I get them because that offers clues as to how the item is used. Right. And I remember checking Great Grandfather's Diary and I saw the text that was inside of it. So, you know, I I was confronted with this helter-skelter, didn't know what to do, and I had been playing for about an hour, and I finally decided I was going to look up in a a walkthrough and see what to do, because I play games to have fun, not to just stumble my way around blindly until I happen upon the answer, and I figured anybody that was following along was probably going to get really bored with this quickly. There's no shame in that, especially with this game. That's just a fact. Okay, I'm glad to know that you're not going to be judging me if no. I have to look you, something up. What kind up. of monster do you think I am? <laughs> what kind of well, lies are you spreading like about me? To the, the, the game, the... you didn't make it clear to me that that was okay. I thought I was going to be judged. When have I ever been judgy? <laughs> no, you haven't been, but I'm trying to get the authentic experience of what it was like to play this game for the first time. <laughs> but you know what? That's not a good experience, so I'm just going to use the, <laughs> the walker occasionally. Yeah. That's probably. Fine. That's total. Okay. That's that's legit. This game is cruel and stupid sometimes. Uh, <laughs> it is intellectually brilliant and mechanically rough around the edges.
in the area, the little sort of canyony area where you're going to the cave, there is a weird enemy. You've been fighting centipedes as a common enemy up to this point, but all of a sudden you're fighting bionic centipedes in addition to little UFOs. Right. And yeah. what's up with and, that? Yeah, a bionic centipede isn't that weird. It's not just a palette swapped enemy that's that's harder. The encyclopedia describes them as a centipede created by aliens for their invasion of Earth. So it is a centipede that has been engineered by extraterrestrials as a way to kind of like infiltrate the animal life of this planet. Okay, that checks out. And that is a reoccurring theme in these games. It's going to become really important later, but not in this game. Bionic uh, insects? Transforming natural things with technology. Yeah. That's going to be real important later. Listeners should remember that. Um, (laughs) Now, the cave is described by the encyclopedia in this way. All who enter therein wonder at the tranquility they experience as though they've entered their mother's womb. It was a very tranquil place. It had some very uh, smooth, easygoing music inside of it. And uh, I I did feel safe. (laughs) Kind of one ponderous melody that repeats. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. Once I looked up in a walkthrough that I was supposed to use great grandfather's diary or have it in my inventory, I went and picked it up out of storage. I went back to that helter skelter and I tried talking to it. I tried examining it. I tried walking around. I tried using the diary. Eventually, I figured out I had to cast telepathy on it. And then once I cast telepathy, and I had the diary in my inventory. Then it gave me the answer to the riddle, and it teleported me to Magic Camp. It's weird how specific it is. Like, you have to read great-grandfather's diary, so you've seen that, that message, and remember that, because now it's been hours of gameplay, and only now does it become relevant, but you got great-grandfather's diary immediately, so there's plenty of time to forget it. And then you find the thing, And then you see the thing and you don't really know how to interface the thing, but it's talking in your mind. So you have to remember to use telepathy, which at that point you've barely had to use before. And the policeman kind of talks about it, but like who's like guarding the way there, but only vaguely like it's done in a confusing way, at least in the translation. Once you've done that, it asks the riddle and then you have to have great grandfather's diary. Just like there's all kinds of ways that you could miss picking up a melody. There's all kinds of ways you could miss this. And that's and an interesting puzzle in some ways if the game was not so punishing otherwise. An interesting translation-y thing that happens is we get in Great Grandfather's Diary, it says, Password, who has lost his tail? The forgotten one of the ship that sails the cosmos. And that's the thing you have to telepath to this object. Well, the Japanese question is, where is God's tail? The forgotten one of the ship that crosses the heavens. Hmm. So this okay, is a, where is God's tale? Yeah, this is a classic instance of Nintendo of America removing a mention of of a deity, or at least removing Christianity anyway, like the, the general practice. I'm just trying to figure out if that would have helped lead me to the answer more easily. Well, no, because you were very adorably interacting with every non-human creature who moves about the world, and then also every thing that has a tail you were trying to check out instead yes. of find this item. And it, yep. you know what? That's a very logical thing you did. Um, and yeah, I'm very like, sorry that you did it. <laughs> I was looking for the creature that was missing its tail. <laughs> so yeah, where is God's tail? Uh, that's that's a weird, weird, weird question. 
I'm thinking about the translation of God's Tale. And I'm thinking specifically about Kantaro, the Sweet Tooth Salaryman. What he always says is, uh, which literally translates to you know something about like only the ancestors, only the sweet taste ancestors would know or something like that. And uh-huh. when that is translated into the English version, the subtitles say only sweet heaven knows. And I'm wondering if maybe there's some kind of like translation there where like God could mean ancestors in some way. So it's like your grandfather's lost tale. So I guess the question is, what God? How does one actually understand that word in this context? What does it mean? Of course, we have the forgotten one of the ship that sails the cosmos, and I feel like that might be yeah, the Yeah, and if you're asking what it phrase. all means, I mean, you're likely to go crazy asking that question. Fair enough. So Magic Hint is a strange place. It's like you're walking on clouds, and... There are a bunch of little helter-skelters that are around, and they form the fences, the buildings, the big castle that is there that the queen lives in, and all the inhabitants of Magicant walking around, they look like they're dressed with, like, witch hats. Yeah. So I presume they're all, you know, magic users of some kind, but they're definitely all very strange. We've got some facts about Magicant. One that I think is particularly revealing, which is the main industry of the town, per the encyclopedia, is philosophy. The encyclopedia refers to them as philosophical people. And that's not necessarily how I ever interpreted the behavior of these folks here. They're all very strange, but that actually does explain why they ask you so many questions. And the answers that you give don't necessarily matter. They're just pondering things. They're just asking questions because they're all ponderous, strange people. The people who are there seem to ask questions from different angles that people would normally ask. Like, if I were to ask you, where do you come from? Somebody in Magicant might ask it like, why did you come from your home this way? The encyclopedia has a bit of a narrative for when you step into Magicant that gives a little bit of context. When you awaken from your dream, you find yourself dropped into a world you've never seen before. A world like a sea of clouds, clouds of unbroken pink. Is this land the very country of God mentioned in the mysterious words? Where is the God's tale, as recorded in your great-grandfather's diary? Well then, the God's tale had to have been the pink rock. The likes of this world have never been depicted in The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, or Through the Looking Glass, or even in Inde's Momo. And yet, you're becoming aware, aren't you, of that confusing sense of nostalgia at the bottom of your heart. As you hear, in the utmost depths of your memory, something with a mysterious timber, high as the cloud tops, deep as the ocean floor, you can't shake the hunch a warm voice is calling you. To a boy who's fortified his resolve to fight unseen enemies, this unexpected peace of mind is a mighty source of comfort, isn't it? You get the feeling you've stumbled into somebody's dream. Going inside another person's slumberland shouldn't be possible, yet this country is like a reproduction of a dream. But feeling relief is forbidden. After all, even dreams vary from terrors that cause night sweats to things so overwhelmingly joyous they make you shout and wake up. Well, that seems to allude what, about what is happening with Queen Mary. It certainly might, mightn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. But 
Let's not get ahead of ourselves. No, let's not. <laughs> there are um, a lot of interesting folks in Magic Camp to discuss. And also some interesting pop culture references that act as a touchstone here. Obviously, really? it says, like, the likes of this world have never been depicted in The Wizard of Oz through sure. the looking glass. And then they mm-hmm. mention one I'd never heard of, Ende's Momo. And what they're talking about there is a book called Momo, or uh, in its original German, Momo or the Strange Story of the Time Thieves and the Child Who Brought the Stolen Time Back to the People. Hmm. The author in question, Ende, is Michael Ende, who's better known. Oh, never ending story. That's right. Now, I looked up Momo. I read all about it. It sounds very fascinating. And I think it's an influence to the Mother series, but I think it's actually a typo. I think they meant to say Ende's never-ending story because wow. Momo has nothing to do with this. A never-ending story has everything to yeah. do with this. That's very interesting. Momo <laughs> is more of an influence over Mother 3. And I okay. think that's very clear. And I look forward to exploring that little clue a bit more in yeah. the months to come. But with never-ending yeah. story, it's a, you know, a child that goes on an adventure to save the world and has lots of strange adventures. Yeah, in a place called Fantastica, a name that's not too far a cry from Magic Hand. Fantastica, a place of wonder ruled by the benevolent and mysterious childlike empress. In a big spire that kind of looks like a helter-skelter. So, yeah. Um, (laughs) That seems important. And the other pop culture touchstone that isn't mentioned, but I think may be really important, especially with the context of Queen Mary is Little Nemo in Slumberland, the newspaper strip drawn by Windsor McKay from 1905 to 1911. Last time I was visiting you, I was thumbing through your collection of Little Nemo comics. Yeah, fancy that. And it was very interesting. I could definitely see the influence of Little Nemo on Mother. Yeah, when it's also like a historical context thing, because even if Itoi wasn't particularly familiar with Little Nemo, other than like, you know, the general knowledge of it from anybody his age or interfacing with art and pop culture... Queen Mary, or let's say, <coughs> sorry, Maria, uh, uh, might be very familiar with this newspaper strip that was extremely popular in 1908 when she was abducted, and her husband happened to work at a newspaper where it was probably in circulation. So, isn't huh. that interesting? Little Ninten in Dreamland. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's a lot going on here. If you look at Magicant in terms of what's happening in the game, it's very surreal. It's very disorienting. And it has a really unique kind of game mechanic for the entire of Earthbound Beginnings itself. But when we sort of peel back the layers and, and think about what's becoming my favorite word in the show, the impressionistic qualities of Earthbound Beginnings, there's a lot that's suggesting to us that the world of Magicant can be put into context in terms of like how it would be adapted if it was a, let's say, a flashier game. It would be a Slumberland. It would be a like H.P. Lovecraft's Dreamlands. It would be the never-ending story. That's what we're looking at here. So the first thing that I noticed also is just how many NPCs there are walking around this place and how many buildings you can go into. After leaving Podunk, which only had a handful of structures that you could enter, this was a whole new level. Literally every building in this place you can go into and every building has NPCs inside of it. And there's a bunch of people outside, so it takes a while to go around and talk to everybody. 
And yeah. like you said, they all have very strange and interesting things to say. There's some strange stores. There's a hospital, but most of the buildings are not labeled in any particular way. Inside one of the houses, there is a person named the Mysterious Mimicker. And what he does is basically acts as a telephone. Like he says the same dialogue that your dad does when you call and he lets you save the game there. But there's no (laughs) sign on the outside that says like, this is where you come to save your game or anything. You just have to kind of remember that that's that's the one. And I imagine it kind of is like, I'm the mysterious mimicker. Hey, Nintendo, it's your dad. Like, <laughs> like all, like just boom, Very all of strange. a sudden, like he's doing, he's right doing a it. full impression. Um, yeah. There's also a girl that the encyclopedia refers to as the baggage check girl who holds your items for you, but it gives you access to the same pool of items that your sister Mimi holds on to. She indicates that she teleports them back home. Yeah. All the encyclopedia says is maybe there's a connection between Minnie and this girl. I don't know. Could be. Who knows? (laughs) Similarly, there's no sign on the outside that says, like, this is where you go to store your items. You just kind of have to remember where where this is in this place. It's sprawling, I think, because you can come back to Magic Hand anytime you want. Once you exit it, you have the Onyx hook and you can just go back. It's like having a free hospital in your pocket. And I'm curious, if you leave without the Onyx hook, are you just forever not able to get back? Well, no. I forgot how things went down. The reason I told you when you were playing this game, like, I want you to exit the magic cave, but don't do it without the onyx hook, is because this time around, I accidentally did that. And what that means is once it dumps you out in Marysville, you have to walk back through Podunk and get up to that cave and use the diary to get back in the thingamabob and then get back in there and then get the onyx hook. Okay. Thank you for telling me to do that beforehand. If only I'd told you to get the grandfather's diary out of storage. Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, you can't tell me everything. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I, I want you to have, a, you know, like the real experience, sure. but it's, yeah, uh, yeah, it's also course. like, I also don't want to, I also don't want to make you suffer. <laughs> I, don't, I know, it's okay. It's okay. There was also a house that had a person in it that offered me a big bag. Yeah, that's misleading, isn't it? As trade for giving me the big bag, he asked me if he could have my ATM card. And I didn't know for how long. So at first I was like, I don't know about this. And then I couldn't find an ATM in town. So I was like, this isn't doing me any good. So I was like, sure, take it. And he looks at it. And he's like, okay, that's cool. I just wanted to see it. You can have it right back. You want this bag down? Sure. Okay, I'll take it. You don't have enough inventory space. Oh my gosh, you got to be kidding me. That's why I need the big bag. But that doesn't work like that, does it? No, it's not a big bag for you to carry things in. It's a big bag of magic herbs. Uh, magic herbs, which this psychedelic place is a great place for magic herb, yes, but yes. they're just a healing item, no resemblance uh, mm-hmm. to other leaves. And uh, yeah, really, really deeply, profoundly uh, misleading there. But it is, however, a handy storage item in some ways because, you know, normally a magic herb would take up an entire inventory slot, but the big bag holds, I don't know, like 30 something herbs. And okay. uh, and it, it occupies one slot. You just so there is a finite number. Eventually, you do run out if you keep using it. Yeah, I forget how many, but yeah, there's there's a lot in there. Okay, good because I threw mine away. You you threw it away. Yes. You threw away the big bag. I did. 
Because I have no inventory space, and I knew that the big bag only provided me with herbs, healing me something I can do myself with my own psi powers, and I didn't know how much of the other crap I was picking up was going to come back to bite me if I got rid of it, so I threw away the big bag. How did you throw it away? I just dropped it. Oh, I forgot you could do that. Mm -hmm. That's weird. Wow. Okay. I also threw away the psi stone. Whoa. (laughs) Wild. This game is. This game is. <laughs> I'm hoping I didn't shoot myself in the foot with some of these. Choices. It's just a. It's just a really useful. The, the side stone's a really useful item. It lets you re- I'm, recover. I'm sure side. it is. I'm sure um, it is. But you know, I, I don't know if the the sword that I picked up might be useful for somebody or something. I figured I couldn't throw away the ocarina because it seemed like it was important. Like I had to play the melodies on it. You know, I couldn't throw away great grandfather's diary and who knows when I was going to need that again. And, you know, I had my ATM card with me. You always got to need some money and stuff. And then it's like, you know, well, that's all the room that you have. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, that's why the bag check girl is there. That's a lot. Yeah, it's frustrating. The thing about Magicant is that Magicant is overwhelming. Magicant will give you too much stuff because, again, Magicant is someplace you can go to throughout the whole game. But are you, mm-hmm. is there any way for you to know that? No, there's no way for you to know that. So you, so naturally, when you enter Magicant, not knowing how this game works, then you enter it with a scarcity mindset. And that's just how it goes. Yeah, like, it's, a, it's a land of plenty. <laughs> you can have as much as you want, but you got to be able to carry it away. Yeah. One of the reasons that this that we're making this show is in part not not just for the overall you know thesis that we presented in episode zero, but I think it's also because Earthbound Beginnings is a very interesting game, but it is not necessarily fun to play. I can attest that it does get more fun once you know how to play it. Then you can really like play it a second time and enjoy it a great deal. But that's a lot to ask for a lot of reasons. So we're not going to ask you to do that. That's why you're listening to the show. Yeah. So you mentioned the ocarina that you just kind of get. From yeah. a guy who, who says, yeah, I'll give it to you. You're a pretty straight looking dude. And then you've got this ocarina, which was supposed to be made for an instrument shop. And then you can't return it. But you definitely would think, oh, this is a fetch quest. Yeah, I tried to go give the ocarina to the person at the music store. And I don't remember what they said, but it was something like, oh, well, I guess I'm just not going to open a music store now. But if you use it, you can play all the melodies that you've collected so far. When you use the ocarina, you start playing what you know of the melodies. And then for the pieces you don't know, there's just like a boop, 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 kind of like that for each one. Yeah, like a metronome sort of thing. Yeah. So here's an ocarina. I'm going to give it to you. If you maybe like wanted to conserve inventory space, you could just not talk to that guy. But you wouldn't know that. And, and it's uh, not just any ocarina. It's the ocarina of hope. That's true. The first ocarina or ocarina of something in a Nintendo game, as far as I know, predating <laughs> Ocarina of Time by quite a bit. One of the Magicant citizens asks you if you've talked to the person who tells you, if we have not yet met, then we cannot part. Which yes. I guess is like one of the citizens is like the philosopher, the citizen that studies philosophy. But apparently they all study philosophy. Yeah, they're all pondering stuff. Yeah, they're all pondering all the time. And then if you do go talk to that person and then you come back and you say, I did talk to them, then you can get a nickname because this NPC is the, is the one that gives nicknames to people, the, the philosopher. Did you get a nickname? Yeah, I did. What was it? The nickname that I received was Noodle Noggin. <laughs> did, you get a, did you get a different one? Did you get a different I, I actually like because it's so sprawling. I totally missed playing around with that. I was writing down a lot of text for Magicant. I've like. Half the NPCs, I, I wrote down what they were saying because it was all pretty interesting. But like, I totally missed that exchange. I'm sure I've done it before, but not this time. Yeah, you can get a nickname, and it's Noodle Noggin. 
I love that for you. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about Shigesato Itoi as a copywriter and how there's a lot of powerful, potent short sentences like his work writing the copy for the Studio Ghibli posters. There's a lot of that kind of work here where he's writing phrases that are personal, emotional, disarming, and though very simple, people just weren't used to seeing that in a video game. For example, there's a house with two people in it. There's one person in a blue cloak that says, my, what strange clothing you wear. Surely monsters will come after those clothes, which is a very strange thing to say. I mean, monsters attack you when monsters attack you. It doesn't really have anything to do with your clothes, or maybe it does. There's a person in a pink outfit in there, and they say, I'm so embarrassed, I wish I could crawl into a hole. And I don't know why they say that, but that sentiment in isolation is really interesting. It really makes you think. <laughs> yeah, there is in Magicant a field of holes. Yes. And there's probably... A sea of holes, if you will. Uh, yeah, a sea of holes. And there's probably, what, like 30 or 40 or 50 holes here? According to the encyclopedia, there's 38 38, okay. And one of them you can go down. I don't think there's anything you can do with the rest of them. No. But somebody in either the castle or near the fountain maybe mentions the Sea of Holes and says that if you listen closely, you can hear the sounds of another world coming from them. Specifically, the encyclopedia says about that what's called the East Well System. I'm calling it the Sea of Holes as a reference to Yellow Submarine, and I cannot imagine that these beetle-infused games would have that huge collection of holes for any reason other than to be another Beatles reference in the Earthbound series. The encyclopedia says it wasn't dug so that the people could draw water from them. All the water that they need to keep up their way of life is provided by Queen Mary's Fountain. So then, what are wells doing here? There seem to be some understanding between the townsfolk that they're there for the sake of being there. What the townspeople find mysterious are the sounds coming from one of the wells. You, though, it's something you're used to hearing all the time. It's town noise. Town noise. The sounds of town. There's somebody who says there's no exit from a place like Magicant and then starts laughing at you. But the people of Magicant don't seem to realize that your world exists, just like you're not really sure what to make of their world at all. And there's some interesting dialogue that happens that expresses bits of that dichotomy. My mother, she quote, for example, you talk to this one person in the far side of town who says, in a bad dream, Magicant vanished into thin air. My heart is still pounding so hard. That's a really stunning moment of storytelling for me. This is a person in a dream being very afraid of whoever's dreaming the dream waking up. That is really chilling. And it is not the only chilling piece of dialogue in this area of the game. Not by far. There's many, many. And kind of going back to the Sea of Holes for a second and the person who says that they want to crawl into a hole, I kind of wonder if the sea of holes and like the desire to go into the hole is like maybe a metaphor for depression. Wow, that's extraordinarily astute of you, Jess. And when you are depressed, you want to go crawl into a hole. And if we are inside somebody's dream and there's just like all these holes that that have been formed here because they get depressed so quickly and easily, that's just what it's a metaphor for. We're jumping all around Magicant, but let's follow this thread okay. in a space that is called in the encyclopedia, not a name, but referred to as the utmost depths of the dream. In the space between this life and the next, there is a deep, dark river, a great river of darkness. Nobody knows where it runs from or where it's running, 
At its heart, there upon the surface is an enormous labyrinthine stronghold with strange apparitions flying all about. If there were ever such a thing as the bottom of the world, it would, without a doubt, look like this desolation of immeasurable loneliness. You can't help but think to yourself, is this really how lonely Queen Mary's sorrow is? Wow. You intuited that perfectly, I'd say. Great. <laughs> I do pick up a thing or two. <laughs> Too many things because I don't have the inventory for it all. God. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that there is a character down in the, the labyrinth hole called the Forgotten Man. And yeah. he's mentioned by one of the other characters walking around Magicant. And they just allude to him and say, there's somebody who everybody forgot about and I can't remember anything about him. But they remember that there was just there was a person that did that. And we will talk a lot more about yes, that yes. in a little bit. Mm -hmm. This is something that I never knew until I read the encyclopedia. And again, I will always give gracious and overwhelming thanks to Kanisu for all of the insights of this encyclopedia. It is invaluable. And you can read it for yourself. We'll link to it on this episode's page to Kanisu's translation of the encyclopedia. There are other people in Magicant from Earth. What? And, and, and they, they stick out, but there's nothing indicating that they are what you think they are. And this might be might be kind of where a little bit of Momo comes in, but it's hard to say. There are some folks in the village that don't look like the other folks in the village. And that's the yes. folks who are running the three stores. They say, and they, oh, yeah, th this works just like it does uh, where you come from. Or I forget how they, they word it, but like, just leave me some cash. Then with the goods, you can dash. Yeah. And those people are from Earth. And they say, why are you staring at me when you first walk in? Right calling attention to themselves, but not in a way that you, the gamer, would ever have a reason to wonder, to know why. Yeah, um, interesting. Okay. And they are the only people who are dealing in capitalism. No one else deals with capitalism, but those yeah. are people who are accepting cold, hard cash in that world. As it says in the encyclopedia, three opportunists yearning for earnings who came from the same world you did have unashamedly set up shop on the north side of town doing business on the sly. Very strange. There, there, and then, this is a funny little note, there are a selection of mysterious coins here which are said to have the same effect as armor in that one home console game you were obsessed with just before your adventure, Dragon something or other. <laughs> These stores are really, really weird because they carry high-end items, and if you've got the money for it, you can buy some stuff to protect you that'll make all the enemies' hits take, like, one damage off you if you if yeah. you can afford it. And you could just get it now. I mean, it's there to be a store <laughs> to you, you know, throughout the rest of the game. But sure. you could just do it if you wanted to. And in my case, I could afford to do it. I did, yeah. I bought a gold ring, I think. Yeah, you can get coins, and you can get rings. You can wear both of them. Mm -hmm. And you can also get pendants, which you can also wear. With the coins and the rings, it's clear that there's one that's better than all the other ones. But with the pendants... They're all elemental, and so you have to, like, make a choice out of, like, what right. do I want my character to be in invulnerable against? Right. There was also an interesting item called the Repel Ring. Yeah. I don't recall how that works specifically. It might be one of those items that has a special feature. It does. So I purchased one, and I checked it, of course. And what the description says is that it repels weak creatures. And I think maybe what it does is it decreases the encounter rate that you have when you are in areas that you are kind of like higher level against. Oh my gosh. But well, it wears mm. out 
Ooh. It only lasts like 10 minutes or something like that. Oh, I've never used that item, and that is super weird. Well, it's not expensive, so, you know, you would think, well, these other rings are probably better, and I should get one of those. Like I said, I had a gold ring also, but because I had some extra money, I went ahead and got a rappel ring as well, and I was reading the description. I was like, this is incredible. They got an item in here that's going to cut down on some of the random encounters that you have, and then, it, you know, it wore off pretty quickly, but at least it was cheap. Yeah. So, points of interest in Magic Hand. There's, of course, the castle, which we'll get to. And then there's the forest and the fountain and the flying man house. So, the forest. There was a character there that mentioned the Forgotten Man. We already talked about that. As soon as you walked into Magic Hand, as soon as you arrived, there was a cat that was swimming around in the water. And they called themselves... The cat that swims in water. Now, when you're going through the forest, you see another cat that's kind of like swimming around. And if you go talk to that cat, it says, I'm the cat that swims in land. Yeah. The encyclopedia mentions that cat and says that, like, the land is, of course, clouds. So it is a cat that's swimming in the clouds. But yeah. Or the cat that swims in the ground, I think, is what it called itself. Yeah. There's also another character that tells Ninten that they look like Queen Mary. Yeah, a monkey. Oh, it's the monkey. Yeah, the monkey tells you that you look like Queen Mary, but it's a non-singing monkey. Mm-hmm. And it says it doesn't like you to ask questions. Questions are so ridiculous. Yeah, questions are ridiculous, according to the non-singing monkey. A lot of interesting clues around about this Queen Mary character. Yeah, it's got to be your great-grandmother Maria or a descendant of Maria. It's got to be. It's got to be. <laughs> There's also a handsome was... guitar player. Oh, yeah. yeah, There was a little house that had the handsome guitar player in it. And first of all, you walk in and and he doesn't notice you right away because there's so much noise from playing the guitar. But then when he finally does recognize that you're there, he says something about, I have a secret story to tell you, uh, but come back when you're stronger. And don't forget about it. Make sure to write it down because I forget things if I don't write them down. Yeah. So one would assume that maybe there's a melody coming from this person who's musical in nature, unlocked when you reach a certain level. That seems to be what's going on here. And the encyclopedia says, we don't care if you vandalize this book, so you should underline those words of his. (laughs) It seems pretty important. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm not super worried if we can always come back to Magic Camp whenever we want. So I wish I had a hint like that to uh, tell me about the the canary (laughs) yeah if there was something where early on in the game like that that basically said hey so we need you to play this game like i don't know mr riven or something and have like a journal to put all the clues down and that's how you're going to play this game they'd be like okay i guess that's what i'm doing sure (laughs) but you you think oh this is just a role-playing game i've done this before nope (laughs) ninten remember the melodies but you should remember this fun fact about that cat in the ground they say guess what's in my hand And uh, if you use telepathy on them, they're like, ah, that's right. It's a ribbon. This magic ribbon will give you strength. I only give this to girls. And a ribbon is a recurring item in a lot of Japanese RPGs. Mm -hmm. Including And it very commonly provides advantages to female characters that wear them. Yeah. It's interesting to see a Japanese RPG that diverts so much from the norm have a (laughs) staple of Japanese RPGs like that in it. Yeah, but I think it's like... In a lot of ways, it's really just a staple of gender yeah. is ultimately what it boils down to. So another interesting trait of Magic Hand is there's a big field of grass, and some of the grass is red, and that red weed 
The people of magic can't gather it, place it in the magic fountain that they're all super into, and they become magic herbs. Yeah. So um, if you need even more magic herbs, you can still get more. And some folks were talking about a benevolent old man. Yeah, the old man in the fountain. They say, he will hear your soulful cry and come for help. Soulful cry. Remember, soulful cry. Soulful cry. I got it. Thank you. And you figured it out. I did? You did. I mean, all yeah. I did was just go up and like, use telepathy, and there he was. Yeah, well, this girl never figured that out. Oh. I never did. Wow, but really? I did this time. Okay. And, uh, and there I was thinking, I thought I came to Magic Ant and I couldn't access any earth money. But then this old man shows up. Yeah, you use telepathy at the fountain. This kindly old man shows up and asks if you need money. And if you say yes, he basically just lets you access your funds that you have, just like an ATM. Interesting thing about this old man, though, he didn't always used to be an ATM. In the original version of Mother, instead of asking, you need money, don't you? He said, what do you need? And the choices were cure poison or soften. He became an ATM in the American translation, and that has stayed on in all future Japanese versions. Really? So there was just never an ATM in Magicant before that? Yep. Wow. Yep. Now, do you actually need the ATM card to exchange with the man? Great the question. Man? I do not know. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't think so, but I don't know. Who knows? Somebody knows. Let us know yeah. if you know. There were also a couple of guards at the fountain. I think one of them mentioned the Sea of Holes and yeah. talked about hearing another world through it, but I don't think the other one really said anything of super importance. No. Oh, uh, sorry, Kat. I thought I had my phone on silent. Uh, one sec. It's cool. Hello? Uh, Jess, Kat, it's dad. <sighs> this isn't my dad. Is it your dad? It's not my dad. Who the heck is this? Hey, it's none of my business. I know you two know how to run a podcast, but this episode is starting to get a little long, don't you think? Maybe you should take a break for a while and come back later. Do a little, uh, Saviola, a little... Savorino? Huh. Well, that is a good point. Yeah, uh, we could break up the Magic Ant discussion. That sounds reasonable. Okay, great. Glad we're on the same page. <laughs> Anyhow, your old man is going to hit the hay. Try not to stay up too late doing your hair, bringing down the patriarchy, or whatever you kids are into these days. Uh-huh. We'll take it under advisement. Thanks, Dad. Bye. Goodbye. And collar blocked. Very strange. Extremely strange. Decent suggestion, though. Uh, so I guess we'll just stop here and pick up next time. For sure. Sounds good. Well, until then, I'm Kat. I'm Jess. And that's all she wrote. So everything just stops and you pick it up later? Yeah, you just turn off the con- Mother She Wrote is made possible thanks to the generous support of our Patreon producers, Becky Scott Fairley, Bob Hogan, CB, Joe Tank Ricciardelli, Josh King, McDribble Deluxe, Mjolnir MK86, Patrick Webster, Sean Hutchinson, Sean T. Red, and our Super Deluxe executive Patreon producers, Big Bad Shadow Man, Marcus Larson, and Jamieson Malone. You can join the team at patreon.com forward slash omniverse media. And if you think that Mother She Wrote is simply smashing, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. 
And be sure to subscribe via your favorite podcast player. This series is recorded and produced in Orlando, Florida, and Lowell, Kentucky, on lands stolen from their indigenous people. The Tamuqua and Seminole, and Shawnee, Cherokee, Osage, Seneca Iroquois, Miami, Hopewell, and Adena. Acknowledgement of the first peoples of these lands and the lasting repercussions of colonization is just the beginning of the restorative work that is necessary. Through awareness, we can prompt allyship, action, and ultimately, decolonization. For links to aid indigenous efforts and to learn more about the First Nations of the land where you live, visit omniverse.media slash landback. Mother She Wrote is written, produced, and performed by me, Jessica Mudd. And me, Kat Blackard. Our original score is composed and performed by Jess, and this episode features the voice of John Sebastian Laval as Dad. Special thanks to Kinesu for his invaluable work translating the Mother Encyclopedia. Find a link to his translation, other media we reference, and full episode transcripts at mothershewrote.earth. Mother She Wrote is not affiliated with Nintendo, Shigesato Itoi, or any rights holders of the Mother and Earthbound intellectual properties. Please play the game's official Nintendo releases. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Hello, hello, I'm Malik. I'm Jamie. And this is World Gone Wrong, where we discuss the unprecedented times we're living through. Can your manager still schedule you for night shifts after that werewolf bit you? My ex-boyfriend was replaced by an alien body snatcher, but I think I like him better now. Who is this dude showing up in everyone's old pictures? My friend says the sewer alligators are reading maps now. When did the kudzu start making that humming sound? We are just your normal millennial roommates processing our feelings about a chaotic world in front of some microphones. World Gone Wrong, a new fiction podcast from Audacious Machine Creative, creators of Unwell, a Midwestern Gothic mystery. Learn more at audaciousmachinecreative.com. Find World Gone Wrong in all the regular places you find podcasts. I love you so much. (laughs) I mean, you could like up the energy a little bit. You could up the energy. I actually don't take notes. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) That was good. (laughs) I'm just kidding. You sounded great. So did you. (laughs)